Hi everybody. Okay, in this episode I would like to switch gears. I'll switch from pesticides to plastic, more specifically to the environmental pollution with microplastics. I'll cover the topic in a set of two episodes, just to keep things to the usual length of roughly 20 minutes. So in this first episode I'll chat with Martin Wagner, who is an associate professor from the University of Trondheim in Norway. Martin has been working on microplastic pollution for a couple of years now. And then in the follow-up episode, I will reflect a bit on our conversation and I'll also introduce you to some recent literature. As usual, you can find all the background materials in the show notes. Environmental pollution with plastic in a myriad of shapes and forms is certainly one of the environmental issues that regularly finds its way into the daily press, into popular science articles and even several TV and movie documentaries. Especially the latter contributed a lot to the public concern with its quite powerful images of marine mammals entangled in fishing nets, birds with their stomachs filled with plastic debris and the like. But when people talk about microplastic, they usually refer to plastic particles that are between 5 and 0.1 millimeter in size. Anything smaller would then be called nanoplastics. Microplastics can be distinguished into deliberately produced microplastic particles, for example the microbeads that are or that have been used especially in personal care products, and the debris particles that are generated from larger plastic items in the environment. And the one thing that everybody agrees upon, you find that stuff literally everywhere. There is not a single area in a single country or a single environment where you wouldn't be able to find microplastic particles. It's one of this century's legacies on this planet. It's actually interesting just for a second to go back uh, to the pesticides that I was talking about in the previous two episodes. Both entities, pesticides as well as microplastics, are everywhere. But while there is no doubt that pesticides are putting ecosystems at risk, the question on the environmental consequences of the equally widespread microplastic exposure are far less clear. So the crucial question at the moment regarding microplastics is whether there are tangible environmental impacts. Or, to be a bit provocative, is there an environmental impact or are we just good at counting plastic particles and should we perhaps spend our time tackling more pressing issues? A colleague of ours, Alan Burton from the University of Michigan, actually argued along those lines a while back in a paper published as a viewpoint in the journal Environmental Science and Technology. He wrote, and I'm quoting almost verbatim, that as an environmental toxicologist and risk assessor, I know low microplastic exposure concentrations dictate that there can be no risk. Martin and I took that statement as the starting point for a debate article that we then put successively online a while ago. Afterwards, we both worked together with Sapir on their evidence report on microplastics in the environment. Sapir is the science advice for policy by European academies, which is part of the European Commission's scientific advice mechanism. I'll introduce you to the resulting reports in the next podcast episode. Anyway, Martin was visiting uh, our university to serve as the opponent in a PhD defense and I took the opportunity to sit down with him and chat about his views on microplastics, plastic pollution in general and the need for policy action. So before we begin, just a quick technical note. 
this was the first interview that I've ever conducted, and it shows somewhat. So while the sound quality is sort of acceptable, I hope, I still need to learn to follow up better during the interview, and I should just keep my questions a bit shorter. So there is still some room for improvement. So I guess you're just really witnessing learning by doing. In any case, here we go. Okay, thanks, Martin. Uh, welcome to Gothenburg. Um, you just finished giving a presentation here, a lecture about microplastics and microplastic risk uh, for the environment and for human health. So thanks for being here. Um, could you, as an introduction, talk a bit about yourself, what you're doing, where you're coming from? Happy being here in Gothenburg. Um, so my name is Martin Wagner. I'm an environmental toxicologist um, studying plastic pollution in a general context, but more specifically looking at like chemicals leaching from plastics, everyday use products um, in a human toxicology context, but then also looking at microplastics and what they do to, to freshwater ecosystems. Um, and I'm working at the Norwegian University of Science and Technology in Trondheim, Norway, so very far to the north uh, and yeah, much colder than Gothenburg. But you're coming from Germany, so you are coming from Frankfurt University. As you clearly hear by the accent, I'm German and um, I used to study at, um, and, and work at, uh, at Goethe University in Frankfurt, which is in Germany. Yeah, indeed. where you were mainly working on endocrine disruptors, if I remember that correctly. The background, yeah, the background is a bit like I used to study leaching of endocrine disrupting chemicals from, from plastic packaging. Okay. Before this whole microplastics thing exploded in our face, really. Um, so I'm coming more from this kind of chemical leaching from plastics, and then it really transformed into all those tiny little particles in the environment. It's quite an interesting development to see. Yeah, that's. I'm still <laughs> curious about endocrine disruptors and plastic and all the packaging that we're using, though. So. Okay, that might be a topic for, for another interview, but if we stay with the plastic, I've seen you given lectures on plastic, on microplastics a couple of times now, and you usually start the lectures by polling your audience in terms of what they think about the issue, how important they think it is, and actually whether they think it's the most pressing issue for the environment. Um, could you elaborate a bit on why you're doing that and what are the typical responses that you're getting? Yeah, I started doing this online poll thing because I was really interested in seeing how our own community, that is like the researchers investigating microplastics in the environment and investigating their toxicity, really like frame the issue and really like, um, so do they exaggerate it? And that was driven by discussions that we also had, right? So there was this kind of idea that we need to exaggerate microplastic risks um, to get funding and to get like attention and to get our papers published. And it was just starting to pull the community at the at the um, con microplastics conference last year in Switzerland. And it was quite surprising to me is that like everybody agreed that they are somewhat a risk to the environment. But then when you escalate the statement and saying it's a pressing or it's the most pressing issue that we're facing, microplastics researchers are quite modest, I would say, and they say like, okay, it's clearly not the most pressing issue that we're facing. So they're pretty realistic in ranking their own research in terms of priorities. But then, I mean, when you talk to different audiences, 
you see similar patterns emerge in, in an academic context with people working on this or being maybe a bit more informed. But then when you talk to non-experts, you see that they, at least for a bit, tend to um, more agree with the statement that microplastics are the most pressing thing that we need to work out. Um, and that probably has to do with risk communication and, and discussions over plastic pollution in the public sphere. And you just told me that you also gave a lecture in front of the World Bank just a couple of days ago, and you also polled the people there, which are policymakers, uh, people from with an economic background, etc. And you actually got a slightly different polling result there. So overall, I mean, overall the responses were quite similar. But what I've been seeing is that, like, um, for one of the questions, you get like very a very polar, polarized response. So half of the people would uh, extremely disagree with the statement that microplastics are a pressing issue, whereas the other half of the room would completely agree with that statement. So there's a bit like a polarization over there. And of course, it's not easy just to to reason about what what like the what like the motivation for that kind of polarization is, or what the factor is driving that polarization. But I would guess again that like those are people really close to policymakers, right? And policymakers are driven by public debate, and then of course some of them would end at the con end up at the conclusion that something needs to be done urgently, immediately. So they would rank it very high. Whereas others would say, like, okay, my own issue, my own expertise, say climate change, for example, um, eutrophication in terms of water quality is, of course, much more important. So let's just not take care of microplastics at this point. So I guess there we're seeing a bit more of polarization, but it's hard to conclude where, where that's, that's coming from. Okay, but I mean, that immediately begs the question, how would you vote as part of the audience? That's a very tricky one, actually. And actually, I've, I've never taken part in that. I've never taken part in that kind of thing. I'm always asking the audience and never... Um, well, I would basically agree with my first question, whether it's a risk in the environment. And I've been talking about that today. Knowledge is very limited. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, There's a lot of things we need to know about microplastics. However, based on like the limited knowledge we have, there is indications that they might pose a risk in um, heavily polluted places already. Um, and there is certainly a risk when we continue business as usual scenario and just like continue using plastics, producing plastics and discarding plastics at the same rate that we are doing today. So I would agree that it's uh, it's certainly there's certainly a probability of risk um, of microplastics uh, to the environment. And then whether it's, press it's a pressing issue or a depressing issue, that becomes a bit more challenging to answer, really, because I believe like the issue of plastic pollutions, including microplastics, is really so entangled with all kinds of other issues that I believe certainly like climate change, global change, um, habitat loss, all those issues um, are more urgent, more pressing at that point. But then on the other hand, if you look at plastics really closely, it's really entangled to all those issues. So it's, 
I wouldn't say it's the most pressing thing. I wouldn't say it's the least pressing thing. I would say like it's it's entangled with all the very pressing stuff. So the challenge at hand is really like solving the plastic issue and at the same time addressing all the other issues as well. So just like tackling the whole Anthropocene problem. That's a large word and deep word indeed, but um, that's the challenge at hand. But I, I mean, I, I would agree that, that all the issues are somehow somewhere connected. I mean, we're living on one planet and it's different facets of uh, the pollution that we are uh, causing, of the footprint that humanity is leaving behind, etc. But I mean, there are a lot of, oh, there are not a lot, but there are several people who are arguing that um, public attention is a limited good and people can only take so and so much action and uh, they are only focusing on certain issues and not on other issues. And there are people that are arguing that um, the, the severe focus on plastic pollution and on microplastic pollution that we're having right now is diverting attention uh, from other more pressing issues. So the, the question perhaps would be, is do you feel that there is that either or thing or do you or how how do you feel about that argumentation to mm. say that we should focus more on things like climate change because we know we only have a couple of years left before things are getting really really ugly of course i, I agree with like global warming is the absolute priority we need to deal with and i guess there's very few people that would disagree at least in academia mm. I believe we need to take, we, I take that kind of discussions over priorities and attention. I take that very seriously. And it's mainly like folks from, from, from global warming research that are starting to complain about that plastic pollution is receiving too much attention and it's distracting us from looking at the, at the real thing here. And of course, my first reaction as somebody doing kind of research on plastic is I want to defend my own research. I feel it's important because I'm studying it and I have like an intrinsic interest in it. But then, I mean, if you take it down a bit, you would need to think about, so what is the motivation of playing one environmental issue against the other? So why is it that um, it's either global warming or habitat loss or pesticides or plastics we should should be... Um, worried about or should take should be aware about and that is really coming from the competition that all all academics are having so of course global warming people are afraid that funding will be reallocated to microplastics and plastics research and then their part of the cake will get smaller right so it's really like a, a fundamental issue of like we're competing for resources in academia And I find that very troublesome because that forces us really to to make this kind of like decision. It's either or, and I believe it's really connected. So if you look at if you look at at, at the plastic pollution problem, it's basically coming from the petroleum industry, right? So it's this kind of extractive industry that that's 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 like at the core of this, and that's the same industry that's giving us all the troubles with like pesticides and, and, and chemical pollution, for example. It's always also the industry that's giving us the problems of greenhouse gas emissions. So it's really connected at its core, not only at its impact, 
but also at, at like the source where it's coming from. And I believe like we need to tackle if we if we use plastic pollution to reinvent chemical industry that will solve so many things, not only plastic pollution, but also contribute helping with global warming, contribute with helping with chemical pollution, that there are so many co-benefits that we can get there. I, th I think, um, in, in a way, I certainly would agree uh, on that. As soon as you start looking at any of those issues, end up realizing how connected they are, and you also end up staring in an abyss of necessary changes or challenges of we really need to think about how we how our economy is functioning, how we as a society are working, what kind of benefits we are expecting, what kind of prices are we willing to pay for the benefits sure. that we're getting. Um, the problem is, uh, I mean, the term Anthropocene, the, the age of humanity or whatever you might call that, comes from the notion that we are impacting the planet on a really global and fundamental uh, scale. Uh, and with great power comes great responsibility. So the question would be, and oh, the other way around, one thing that you highlighted in your seminar was that we are still at the beginning of uh, collecting good and solid knowledge on microplastic pollution in, in particular. But the question is, uh, if we are looking at things from an Anthropocene, that implies we have to act on the pollution that we are causing, uh, one way or another. So the question would be, how do you think we should act at the moment, given the enormous uncertainty that we are having mm. or that we have in the data at the moment. Let me make another point first with regards to, to, to Anthropocene issues, right? So you've been asking about like global warming versus plastic pollution. And, and there is this idea that we can, that we can use plastic pollution and that's very important to me that we can use that as like a door opener to make people aware of other environmental issues and I realize that there's very limited empirical data on that but the idea is that once you give people agency take them to a beach make them clean up the beach make make them collect all the plastic debris um, that that increases connectedness to nature and that creates like awareness of, of other issues as well. And I would love to see like empirical data. We can use like this kind of tangible, visible plastic pollution really as like a, as like an, a door opener. And when I talk to, to students of mine, you really see how they use that and also to talk about, um, uh, about climate change and then they start talking about Fridays for Future. So, so are we not indeed seeing like the emergence of a new environmental movement here? And hasn't plastic pollution contributed to this awareness? And that's why I would love to see like empirical data really. And that's why we would need social scientists. We've been, you've been asking about uncertainty and taking decisions and, and, and what decisions, what solutions there would be and, there's always, there will always be uncertainty. And uncertainty is often used in the public sphere, scientific uncertainty, I must say, is often used in publics, in the public sphere to postpone action, right? We've seen that with chemicals a lot. We've gone, gone through the game of BPA and of all those. And there was always the argument, we need to have more knowledge. We need to have more accuracy. We need to understand better before we take decisions. And I believe the fascinating case with plastic pollution is 
that that's not the case. The science is not ready, but but policymakers, publics, they have decided already in the absence of science, and that's very that's very annoying for me as a scientist. But that's fantastic if you think about it, because otherwise we spend like a lot of energy to 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 create data, to create knowledge, to convince publics to do something, and they never react to it. I, yes, I, I I completely share that. Um, my concern is own, uh, uh, what I share is the enthusiasm that people are getting aware or more aware of environmental problems. I think that's really really encouraging. My my concern is really if we even when we have the best of intentions and we are acting, if we are acting in the wrong way, we might take decisions that are not very um, yeah sustainable in the long run or not very very moving us towards a sustainable society in the long run. And maybe that's the, the problem that I'm seeing that if we are running, it's nice that we start running, but if we're starting to run in the wrong direction, we're not getting closer to our goal. Right. So, I mean, we have this bad history of, 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 of making those quick fixes, right? So, I mean, I'm just thinking about bisphenol A and then the substitute chemicals that we, that we have used for that, which are as toxic and so I mean you could get like a bit frustrated and I'm I'm pretty much concerned about quick fixes and if you think about this kind of solutionism that we're seeing especially in the plastic uh, sphere or in the pl area of plastics of course we're replacing now we're replacing stuff with other materials and we don't really know the environmental impact of those alternative materials And a lot can be said about life cycle and life imp uh, impact assessments. Um, so, so are we just like doing, going for quick fixes, feel good solutions, making, making consumers buy, um, ecologically friendly stuff just to make them feel good, celebrate their like sustainable lifestyle, style where it's indeed not sustainable. I'm very concerned about that. However, at least if you look at Europe, Europe has taken a quite systemic approach in Europe, even though they're going for bans of stuff and they go want to ban plastic bags and all those low hanging fruits. They're trying to, to really remodel plus using the plastics economy as like a case to, to, to build a circular economy. And I believe it, if that's, if we can do that for the plastics economy and if we show it's feasible, then that will spread and that will have a, a massive impact on all the other sectors, the chemical industry not the least. So so I'm 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 thinking about like taking this kind of circularity idea, testing it on plastic, show that it's working, focus forcing that like really outdated plastic economy to change. The own I again I, I think I, I agree to that um, to play to continue to play devil's advocate. Um, the question is when people start to act, they want to actually see that things are happening and they want to actually see benefits. And the impact on of plastic of plastic pollution on human health, for example, is there is basically none. Uh, and we have other pressing issues if we are thinking about, uh, for example, the, uh, the 
discussion about uh, air quality standards that we have in the US, etc., where we know that people are dying if we look at the air pollution in London. So acting on that is an immediate benefit to people. So that's, I, th I think, is a bit of the challenge. But aren't, aren't you drawing like unfair comparisons here, right? I mean, we have like decades of data on, on human um, health impacts of certain chemicals. We have decades of data on air pollution. We have decades of data on, on global warming. Whereas other than you said, like for human health impacts of microplastics, there is little evidence available. So, I mean, the absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence here. But still, I mean, of course, you would, could argue that air pollution particulate matter is, seems to be more pressing at that point. So, I mean, I, fe I feel like we're comparing a bit like issues that we know a lot about and we're concerned a lot about with microplastics, which is an issue that we, we don't know so much about. Um, but then again, think about like chemicals from plastics, right? So, I mean, we know that like 99% of us have plastic associated, plastic chemicals in our bodies. Mm -hmm which is plasticizers and all kinds of monomers and things like that. And we have a pretty good idea, then talk coming back to the beginning, endocrine disruption, we have a pretty good idea that like those low-dose, massive, long-term exposure on a population scale has an impact on yes, our fertility, yes. on our health, on obesity, on diabetes, name it. So we, we have this kind of information. So the question is, Don't we fix that also when we try to make a plastic economy circular and at the same time improving like the chemical safety of the, of the, of like the compounds we're using to make plastics? So isn't there a lot of core benefits that we can create? Definitely, definitely there are. But then of course, I mean, as you said, like there's, the, and that's like, that's like a dilemma of the Anthropocene is that it seems to be so many fires that we need to like deal with at the same time it's air pollution it's plastic now it's like you name it right so and then i'm thinking isn't that like distracting because like if we go if you think about and reflect on the root of all those problems it's basically linear economy mm -hmm. So again my argument would be even though we no, don't know enough and we don't know Uh, we don't know a lot about the impact of plastics on, on environments and on an economic scale and on a societal scale. Wouldn't it be a perfect test, test drive just to make that, that industry, make that sector circular? And I believe I can make a good case for that because like even the plastic industry agrees. So nobody is really, there's no, There's no opposition to that kind of idea that we need to change the system. Uh, and even the plastic industry, at least openly, agrees that, that something needs to change. Nobody has ever dared to, to, to say, like, all oh, the plastic litter in the ocean is not a problem. Um, not even the plastic industry themselves. Um, so we don't, they don't contest, like, that they, that is something that they need to deal with. So I believe, like, Richard Thompson is always saying the stars are aligned here. Policymakers, public, academics, even industry is agreeing. So that's like the perfect constellation to, to do something. Okay, perfect. With a perfect, <laughs> with a perfect constellation, I think uh, let's just uh, call it a day for now. Thanks for being here and let's go for a beer now. Okay. 
That's it for now. As mentioned before, in the next episode, I'll reflect a bit on the conversation and I'll put things into the perspective of recent reports. Thanks again to Martin uh, for his time and patience. And thanks for listening. Talk to you later.